Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I'm Scott Wurtzbacher, and I couldn't be more excited. I have been anticipating today's show for probably more than 10 years. A few short weeks ago, three friends and I completed a huge bucket list adventure by traveling to Africa and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Today, we're going to recap that journey. Mount Kilimanjaro, located in Tanzania, is also known as the Roof of Africa. It's the highest point on the continent and the highest freestanding mountain above sea level in the world. Its summit at Uhuru Peak reaches 19,341 feet into the atmosphere. And today I have my climbing partners with me. We've got Sydney Ropp, a pastor from Pennsylvania, Kendall Stetler, a builder from Virginia, and Carl Miller, who you might remember from episode three of this podcast about his family's RV trip across the United States. Our guide on our Kilimanjaro climb called this group the Simba group, and I loved that. Simba in Swahili means lion. Now, as a participant in this epic climb, I'd rather not be the one asking the questions. So today, I am honored to have my very good friend, Katie Oakley, joining us from across the pond in London to help us facilitate the conversation. Katie's recently transitioned from a very successful career in international brand marketing, and she's one of the most thoughtful and inquisitive people I know. She's been a friend and encourager to me throughout my preparations to get ready for this climb, and she's the perfect person to help the Simba Group recall our experience. Simba Group, Katie, welcome to the campfire. Thank you, Scott. I'm just delighted to be here. It's a real pleasure and privilege to be able to facilitate this conversation. And I'm, I'm going to jump right in because I, I don't know anything really about Kilimanjaro. I know it's not Everest. I know it's not the Alps. So it would be really great to know a little bit more about what a climb, what climbing Kilimanjaro is like. So how would you describe it to people who know nothing about what a climb at Kilimanjaro could look like? And maybe who'd like to kick off? Sydney, I'm going to throw it to you because you're the first. You're the first face that I see here on my screen. You have to do it. That's how <laughs> I would describe it. It was great, amazing. I would highly recommend it, especially if you've got a good group of people to do it with. Yeah. I mean, there are people that do it alone, but uh, I, I would definitely recommend to do it with friends. How would you describe it? You know. I would say that it's doable, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it was um, definitely it's going to take effort and planning and, and training, um, but it's doable. I mean, one of our guys in, in the group, you know, climbed without any training because of the circumstances that he was in. So um, anything is possible on this mountain and um, it's not uh, not out of reach. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, we met a 75 year old man up at the peak. And so um, while, while it's difficult, it's certainly a, a reachable uh, goal. So it's difficult, it's reachable, it's doable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, Carl, what made it, what was it? Was it difficult, reachable, doable? How was it for you? Yeah, so Kilimanjaro is the world's tallest freestanding mountain. It's, it's a volcano. And uh, what's neat about it, I enjoyed, was we took our time climbing. You know, you can do mm -hmm. trips, treks as little as four or five days, or you can stretch out different routes and go nine days. And uh, what we were advised was to take at least six or seven days because the success rate of getting to the summit is much greater if you take a seven-day trek as opposed to trying to, you know, do this in four days. And the reason that is is because this this we're in the U.S., so everything is measured in feet. It's nineteen thousand three hundred forty-one feet. It's very thin air uh, at the top of that mountain. So your body needs time to acclimate it, especially for us flatlanders who are living at about 800 feet of elevation above sea level. So for, for me, it was fun to go through the different ecosystems. You know, we started out at 5,000 feet, we're in a rainforest, we're climbing, it ends up raining just a little bit on their first day, getting out of the forest, and then, you know, you, you're at a camp. And then eventually, as you gain altitude, you get above tree level and you get into a different ecosystem called the moorlands. And then from there, you get into Alpine Desert as you continue to make your way up. So it was it was really neat to see the different ecosystems and the different mm. trees and just the way the landscape changed so drastically. And yeah, I agree with Sydney that uh, it, it is doable. And I was impressed with our guides who the very first thing they talked to us about on the very first day was mindset. And mm. they just really encouraged us to have a positive mindset. And, and the minute you start to doubt or think you can't do it, you've lost and so the trek is a mental game as well as a physical game. And I would argue probably even more of a mental game than a physical game. Yeah, yeah. Scott, you're nodding, the positive mindset. It was all about mindset, was it? Well, these guys know for sure. There's no question about it. This is a mental climb. And, um, you know, I've told this story a bunch of times since we've gotten back, but the whole trip is kind of this build up to the summit, the, the night where you summit. And on summit night, um, We've spent, you know, six days, five days kind of preparing our bodies, acclimating. And on that last night, you know, you hope that you've uh, eaten enough, you've got enough fuel, you've rested enough. And, and we start to climb at midnight and we climbed for about six and a half hours in the dark with our headlamp lamps on, you know, up a very, very steep incline at high altitude with thin air. Um, you know, trying to reach the summit around the time that the sun rises in the morning. And um, as Carl said, as soon as those negative thoughts start coming in, you're done. And, and uh, you know, I've said to people before, I'm a mildly neurotic person. And so those, <laughs> those worry thoughts, you know, they definitely affect me. And, and so for me, like it was a huge mental game. And um, Carl and I laughed because after we got to the top, we realized we were both kind of employing the same tactic. So I was actually counting my breaths from one to 10 for the entire six and a half hours of the summit night, because that was the only way I could get consistent oxygen to my body and also sort of keep those worry thoughts from getting in my head. And uh, mm -hmm. talking to Carl a little bit afterwards, like turns out he was doing the same thing. Although Carl's more ambitious, he was able to count to 250. I could only get to 10. <laughs> <laughs> and Kendall, how was it for you? The thing I love about going last is I can just say, I agree with Carl and Sydney. Um, <laughs> But no, for me, it was, I loved it as well as all the different, like I was, instead of ecosystems, I was referring to it maybe as climates, like Mount Kilimanjaro has so many different climates, which we were very fortunate and maybe didn't experience quite the, the different 
types of weather that you can face on Mount Kilimanjaro. We had relatively beautiful weather all the way up. We were very mm -hmm. fortunate, but you still, we got to experience a little bit of the rainforest and rain and then up in the alpine deserts and the lava rock. And it was, it was just a great experience to see how the mountain changed as we gained elevation. And, and while you're picking on uh, Kendall, Katie, I, I do have to throw out there that that he was the the team climber that was probably the most impressive, considering that he started the climb with not one but multiple different uh, physical sort of impairments that uh, should have prevented him from making that climb. But Kendall, Kendall had the mental stamina to push through a whole lot of things, and he he was definitely our trooper. And because of that, I feel like I'm healed now, Scott. <laughs> training tactics on stretches and, and getting, so I had a, a herniated disc, which I was fighting with prior to the trip and through hiking and doing some of Scott's stretches and so forth, I feel like, yeah, by the time I summited that mountain, I literally felt a hundred percent better. And even today, you know, fast forward two weeks, I feel great. And tell me if we just go back a little bit, why, why did you want to do it in the first place? I think the dream kind of started for me. Scott and I are in a network. We're both in the real estate space and we both mm -hmm. have the same uh, coaching company uh, connection there. That's how we met years ago. And I've been involved in a couple of other smaller groups within that organization. And there was just a, a group of guys. We were sitting around. a. I think we were probably just sitting around a campfire one evening at an event and kind of threw out we should do an adventure together. And anyway, long story short, of that group of guys that was there, one of them was immediately said, oh, yeah, I'm about to do that. And then you should talk to Scott Wurzbacher and so that's kind of, I think it was just kind of started from a dream for me to let's go do something hard. Let's do something that's an adventure. Let's just do something together so we can deepen our relationship. That was sort of the intent. And I'm kind of a little bit of an adventure junkie anyway. And I like to do hard mm -hmm. things. I've run some ultra marathons and just different things like that to kind of push, push the limits of what I know my body has done in the past and what it can do. And uh, I think that's kind of where it started. And uh, so when I called Scott, uh, we had a conversation and I was like, I just kind of threw it out there. I was like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about getting a group of guys together to go camp out, climb out Kilimanjaro. And Scott immediately was like, I'm in. I'm looking at a picture right now of Kilimanjaro, my vision board. I said, I go, I'm going to climb that mountain someday. And I love Scott's comment that he said to me is, you know, later he said, you know, if, if not now, when, you know, so let's yeah. do it. And just he, he was in, he, and he was committed immediately. And, uh, and then out of that, you know, the group dynamics changed COVID and we postponed the trip a year and, Ended up, uh, there was four of us that ended up climbing. There was five going to go. My brother in Wisconsin was scheduled to go. And unfortunately, he, he couldn't get a, a, a negative COVID test passed, and even though he felt fine health-wise. So it, the five got trimmed to four even in the last, you know, 24 hours. But uh, so that's where it started. I think just to be able to push the limits of what you've done in the past, and it, it mm -hmm. opens up new arenas in your mind and your body when you when you break through a... Um, when you break through the ceiling of something that you've accomplished in your life. And I think it's just, it's just a good mental game to, to do as a person is to, to get out of your comfort zone and do something that's hard. And Sydney, what, what was the pull for you? Why did you say yes? Well, I said yes, because I was uh, invited along by my cousin Kendall. And um, it really wasn't something that I had like, uh, unlike Scott, you know, I didn't have it on my vision board. I, I wasn't dreaming of climbing this mountain someday. Uh, interestingly, I did find a hundred list uh, bucket list after I said, yes, I would go climb it. 
And on that list was climb a significant mountain someday. So, so it was one of the things, you know, that I had uh, thought of back in the early 2000s and written on a list. Um, but my cousin Kendall called and wanted to know if I wanted to go along. And um, I didn't think it was going to work out, but God made it possible. And so mm -hmm. I was able to uh, join them and uh, really glad I did. Yeah. And so, Kendall, why was it a big yes from you? I'm along the same lines as Sydney as far as it was not even on my bucket list. I was actually, we were spending an afternoon mountain biking with Carl, me and one of my friends, we were mountain biking and Carl mentioned it, that, hey, a group of us are going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And I literally right there on the trail pretty much committed and said, well, I'm, you know, I'm in. Um, for me, I like experiencing new cultures, meeting new people trying new foods and and just yeah really experiencing different culture than than where i would have grown up so and i love adventure so i was all in pretty much from the start but there again it was not on my bucket list as such either but mm -hmm. i am always up for a new a new trip or a new adventure and scott same you were all in straight away why I mean, Carl, Carl pretty much nailed it. You know, it, it's interesting because I'm sitting in the same place where I was sitting when Carl made that phone call to me and my vision board is sitting right across from me. And I do. I mean, it was probably 10, maybe even 15 years ago that I just printed a whole bunch of pictures of places that I wanted to go and I put mm -hmm. them on this board. And uh, there's a whole bunch of things on this board I'm looking across at right now. And Kilimanjaro is just one of them. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And I got a whole bunch of pictures of things that I haven't done in my life. And when Carl called and said, hey, I'm thinking about putting this group of guys together. I mean, I'm literally looking at the picture and I'm looking at this big list and I'm thinking like, I got to start checking things off the list. If like Carl said, if not now, then when? And so I'm like, let's do it. I'm in. It, it's time. So, yeah, I think for me, it was just you know, this sort of feeling of, of seize the day. I've, you know, I've made this list. This is something that I've been thinking about for a very, very long time as a dream. And when Carl brought it to me, it just felt like it was time for the dream to become a reality. Hmm. So if we think about it becoming a reality and let's say there are sort of three stages, I guess. So a planning stage, a sort of doing it stage, and then kind of coming home. Mm -hmm. Well, what was the planning stage like for you? You know, for I would say for me, the uh, planning stage was was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the anticipation and as soon as I committed to going, you know, I, because I'm kind of a planner anyway, mm -hmm. I went on and start finding all these lists and, and start checking things off the list, ordering things. And and when we um, got maybe a month away from going, um, it was quite a bit closer. I had already got pretty much everything on my list checked off. There was a few items I hadn't yet. Um, we did this Zoom call and the other guys were talking about, okay, we need to find this list and, and we need to find lists and we need to begin to, you know, put everything together. And I, I'm laughing to myself because I'm thinking, guys, I did that like three months ago. I, I'm so ready, man. <laughs> I, I was like a little kid in a candy store. I could not wait. And so my anticipation level was, was through the roof for sure. <laughs> so did you share your list and everything you've done with them on the call? Well, actually they had, um, 
they had put together or emailed out a list that was some of the ones, same ones that I had. So it was all good. And then Scott, he put together this like uh, Excel spreadsheet and, and he was all techie with it. Yeah, for me, for me, I just read a lot of books. I mean, the good news is in today's age, there's a lot of, you know, Kindle books and ebooks and even free books. And so I probably read about eight to 10 journals of people who've climbed. And, and so there's, you get, you pick up a lot of information just reading books of other people who've experienced the same thing. But, you know, there, again, you can read all the books in the world, but as Cindy said in the opening statement, is there nothing like actually being there and seeing it mm-hmm. and feeling it and then, you know, experiencing that thin air and experiencing the, the joy of the guides and the porters and, and joking around and the camaraderie and the relationships that uh, deepen and form when you're, you know, again, with your friends on the mountain. I mean, there's nothing that can take, you can read all the books you want to, but until you experience mm-hmm. it, there's nothing like going there. So for me, I just kind of read books and then gathered lists and took tips and, you know, uh, we just learned from other people as much as I could. I think Carl, that's such a great point um, because you really can't like the direct experience is the only way to really, to really get there. And, um, you know, I think I did the same. I did a lot of reading and, and we had, I mean, we probably had a zoom call at least once a month leading up. And then as we got closer, we started doing them like, I don't know, once a week or so, but you know, I've, even on this podcast, I've had conversations with people like Lauren Donahue is, as was on the podcast and she's climbed Kilimanjaro and, and Derek Wood was actually, he was on the podcast, but he was also kind enough to jump on a zoom call with us and, and talk to us about the trip. And that was super helpful. Um, Katie, our friend, Cindy Lou has been uh, to Kilimanjaro and she talked with me a little bit. And so, you know, all of these conversations, they're really, really, really helpful. And I can tell you that you know, from the books and the lists and the conversations, like, I don't feel like I could have been any more prepared, but yet you get there and there's still a high degree of uncertainty. You still, because nobody knows how the altitude is going to affect their individual body. And there's that aspect of it that you just don't know. There's just a certain element of this thing that you can't plan for. And Kendall, was that the same for you? That sense of there's so much you can't, you can't plan for. It was. And the levels of anticipation for me were off the charts and I was excited. Um, But the Mm -hmm. planning stages for me, since I'm a little bit of a seat of my pants type of guy, I probably did (laughs) less planning and and was a little less prepared as far as gear and stuff than the rest of the crew to some degree. But um, I just, you know, went into it like I'll take it as it comes and be ready regardless. Mm -hmm. And this is the guy that was scheduled to have surgery. He was just going to show up on the mountain like a few days later, but uh, that got postponed and he was in a lot of pain in the airport line. He could walk, but standing still hurt him. And uh, man, I mean, again, like Scott alluded to already, Kendall was definitely a trooper when it came to the physical pain and physical aspect of just pushing through. But we had a saying up there on the mountain that, uh, and this came from Scott's trainer, you know, motion is the lotion. So as long as you were moving and as long as you were stretching properly and you you were in motion, you know, you could, uh, you could push through. But anyway, I I just want to shout out to Kendall. I mean, definitely from a mental attitude and a physical overcoming, he definitely was the hero of our group. Well, I will definitely say motion is the lotion. Amen to that. (laughs) So you're at the airport, you're on your way. Tell us what the trip itself was actually like. How did it feel to realize the trip, to be doing the trip? I'll jump in. I mean, again, I think for me, there were like 
there, there was so much uncertainty about this whole trip. I mean, traveling to Africa was a very new experience for me. I didn't know what that was going to be like. And then you build in the element of COVID and what traveling with COVID was like. And then the new experience of, of being in Tanzania and, and what that was going to be like. Um, and then of course, you know, what's, what's the climb going to be like, what's the altitude. So for me, there would definitely was a whole lot of anticipation. And I mean, I think that for me, that anticipation, like managing that anticipation was a huge piece for me throughout the entire climb. And it almost felt like one hurdle after the other, like we mm -hmm. had be, like the, from a travel standpoint, we had to take COVID tests before we could even get on the plane in the United States. We had to take COVID tests when we got to the airport in Tanzania before we could leave the airport. And we had to take a COVID test again before we got on the plane to come back to the United States. So like even just that alone was created a lot of a lot of sort of mm -hmm. uncertainty. The other guys on the trip, we've got uh, we've got some international travelers here that have a lot more experience than I did in terms of of um, of traveling internationally. But like for me, I think it was just you know, every step of the way was like absorbing new experience kind of into my own sort of being. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once I've kind of passed those hurdles, it became more and more comfortable. I mean, there's, for me, there's no question. Like if I were to go back, it would be a completely different experience now that I've actually gotten past all the uncertainty. How was the trip with the rest of you? Carl, how did you feel about doing it actually when you were on the trip? Yeah, so it was funny. You know, even on the way over there, we got on the plane, and Scott and I were sitting on the same row. You know, he's he's giving me the eye and a fist bump, like we're doing this, like we're actually doing this. And so, um, you know, getting there was great. You stepped off the airplane, and it was just you know probably seventy degrees and just a beautiful morning at seven thirty in the morning when we landed in Kilimanjaro. Uh, I think you know for me, I just tried to enjoy the day we were in. Like you know, don't mm -hmm. stress about the next day. We we landed in uh, Moshi, uh, got through all the customs, took a few hours, got to the hotel. We were just going to relax, have a zero day, forced ourselves to stay awake to catch up with the eight hour time difference. And uh, then went to bed early and, and slept really well that night. So for me, it was just one day at a time. And uh, I didn't really go in with a big expectation. I, I went in with the mindset, I'm going to trust our guides. And by the way, I can't speak enough about our guides. Uh, God Listen was our guides and Gotti, AKA Gotti with Zara Tours, shout out to Zara Tours. And the owners there and the guides and Gotti had been up that mountain 500 times. So when I, mm. and I knew that he, Gotti was actually referred to me by a couple of other people and I specifically requested him as a guide. And I, so I just went in with the idea that I'm going to trust him. He knows what he's doing. Mm. And I think that was probably the biggest life lesson because I'm in a industry where I help guide people with making big decisions financially with home buying and home selling. And I think for me, one of the life lessons that I've just learned is just to just trust, trust the guys, like do what they say and, and follow their advice and, and listen and, and be okay when things aren't going wrong because they're telling you that this is normal and this is okay. And I think that uh, that was for me just one of the big life lessons I came away with. So I think just back to your question, I just try to take it one day at a time and just enjoy the day, enjoy the hour. I mean, enjoy the mile you're in as you're climbing. You know, that's a runner's mantra as well. When you're running and you feel terrible, you know, try to enjoy, just run the mile, run the mile you're in. Don't stress about the next, don't stress about the finish line. Don't stress about the next, you know, when you're doing ultra running and trails, there's a big mountain ahead. There's always a mountain ahead. Don't stress that mountain, just run the mile you're in. And that was sort of the philosophy I took into this trip is, you know, enjoy the day you're in, enjoy the hour that you're in. And, and uh, it's, and that yeah. was sort of my mindset. And Sydney, what were you saying to yourself as you were going through the trip? You know, I was, uh, I'm the kind of person that even though I really enjoyed the anticipation of it, I'd much rather do it. 
right? Mm. And so, uh, as Scott already alluded to, all the unknowns, you know, is my body going to cooperate with the high altitude, you know, all these questions. And so, when you actually give yourself something to do, and you can put one foot in front of the other and focus in the moment, there's there's a lot of um, enjoyment or or peace in that, right? Mm. Of being able to just say, okay, now we're finally here. We're finally going up this mountain. We are, you know, you come to the our very first night, we come to camp and you know, there's all these question marks about, well, what's camp gonna be like? What what's the sleeping arrangement? How's that gonna work? How's the food going to work? How's how's our portable toilet going to work? Right. <laughs> and so um being able to come to that that first night, come to the camp and see how the things are working together, functioning, um, was great because it that it, it brought a level of of how would I say just relaxing about you know oh mm. okay so this is how this is going to work for the next six days and and so it, it was really good. I, yeah. I need to give Sydney a quick shout out because I feel like he was sort of our group motivator when the, especially when the climb got the hardest. Like Sydney definitely maintained the sort of the most consistent um, energy and enthusiasm as we were on the climb. I mean, as I'm, uh, you know, whether behind him or in front of him, like slowly taking my breaths and counting, like he's singing with the guides and, you know, singing the Hakuna Matata song. And uh, he, he was just full of energy. And I was just so impressed with, with his ability to sort of keep us inspired and just keep the positive energy going. So Sydney, huge thanks to you for that. It was definitely a big help on that mountain. Sounds, sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. And Kendall, how, what did you use, if you'd like, to keep yourself going, given that obviously you'd started with a reasonable amount of pain, as I understand it? Because of that, looking back, I wish, I mean, I did try to enjoy those small moments, like Carl said, and, and you know, enjoy the mile you're in. But I probably had a little, I wish I would have enjoyed the small things more. And I tried to, you know, even mention it out loud to the group a time or two. Hey, look at that view. Let's take a minute to look at this. But mm -hmm. um, it was a little, I, I had a little bit of maybe a lot of anticipation about that summit night and how it was going to work and how my body was going to react to the altitude. And would, I, would my body be able to hold up to the summit that night? And I was determined that I was going to summit. So I didn't, yeah, looking back, I probably didn't enjoy the moments as much mm -hmm. as, as I should have or would have liked to. And when you got to the summit, how did that feel? For me, it was actually a little emotional. I don't know why. I'm not an emotional guy at all. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even cry at funerals. But it, it was, it was um, I don't know, it's hard to even put it in words. But it was, it was just, yeah, a deep emotional feeling for me. Mm. Mm. It, it was euphoric. I would say that I, I would say, mm. you know, there's a couple of things that happen. Like you're coming up this really steep incline and it's dark. And mm. at one point when the sun started to come up over the horizon, like we didn't actually see the sun, but, um, the whole horizon looked like it was on fire and you had to turn around mm. to see that it wasn't in front of you. You had to turn around and see that. And I did, you know, as much as it, it was painful to me because when I lose my, my breathing rhythm, mm. you know, it, it kind of messed with my whole, uh, movement pattern, but I did turn around and I saw that horizon. It just looked like it was on, on fire. And, uh, as the sun started to come up, it starts to get light. That's right around the time that you sort of come around this bend 
and the really steep slope all of a sudden it levels off and lo and behold right there before us is a sign that says Stella Point and it's the first part of it's not the summit but it's just shy of the summit and you know mm -hmm. essentially when you get to Stella Point you kind of know like you know, we're all but there. We just have a little bit further to go. It's a little, just a gentle slope from there. And by that point, the sun is up. So now it's like, I've got daylight. I've made it through the hardest part. Like, oh my gosh, we did it. We're here. And it really was this sort of euphoria. Cause I, I can tell you for me, I, I legitimately didn't know if I was going to make it to the top until I was actually at the top. And so when I came around that corner and saw Stella Point, like I just felt like a, a crazy rush of overwhelm. And then once that overwhelm sort of dissolved, like huge emotion, just like Kendall said. And Carl, was it similar or different for you getting to the summit? Yeah, I think, so. I mean, so yeah, I kind of had my emotional moment, maybe about four o'clock in the morning. I don't know. You lose track of time. But we started up, you know, at midnight. We're hiking. It's dark and it was windy. It was cold. And uh, physically, I wasn't feeling 100 percent. I had a little bit of a stomach issue. And and so I'm climbing. And and uh, but long story short, after about four hours of that, you know, you're just like Scott said, you're just you're focused. I was focused. Let me speak for myself. I was focused on just deep, deep breaths, just deep breaths. And I was, I was counting to 250 in my mind. That's just sort of what I do when I run. And I was, and I knew that when I got to 250, either A, we're going to take a break or B, I'm going to start over and get to 250 again. You know, it was just sort of putting all my mental energy into breaths and just one step and just sort of, again, when you have a guide, you're not, all you have to do is just basically follow the footsteps of the person in front of you. So whether it was yeah. one of our teammates or the guide, just kind of doing that. And we stopped for a break. It was before the sun came up, before that beautiful red band hit the horizon that Scott mentioned, which was, again, just stunning. So beautiful. But uh, we stopped at a rock, and um, I'm sitting down, and I, I just wanted to get some water to drink. And, and all of a sudden, next thing I know, my shoulders just start shaking, and I'm gathering breasts, and I'm just kind of breaking down crying almost <laughs> because I was kind of overwhelmed with emotion. And it wasn't emotion that uh, it was kind of hard to describe, but I think, okay, this is hard, but we're going to make it. And um, I think just this kind of big thing of, wow, I've worked so hard for this and, and uh, you know, I'm going to keep pushing through. And, uh, but it was kind of fun. I mean, like I said, like Scott said, Cindy was just full of energy. Next thing I know, Cindy's right there giving me a word of encouragement, praying for me. And the guides are right there and they're just checking my headlamp to make sure it's not too tight. I had a little bit of a headache coming on and, and uh, it was, uh, it, everything was good. Next thing I know, we're up to go and I grab my trekking poles and my pack's not there. And one of our assistant guides had thrown the pack on his shoulders. Okay, well, I'm carrying this the rest of the way just to take the burden off. And again, we're carrying a light pack with layers and water and, you know, snacks. And, and uh, you know, and that, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to make this. It's going to be hard, mm -hmm. but I'm going to make it. And I think that was to me kind of my biggest emotional moment of the trip and it's kind of hard to describe what was in those emotions, but I was, it was full of gratitude. First of all, that I was on this mountain. I think the physical aspect acknowledging that this is hard and uh, this kind of sucks in the moment right now and it's hard, but also just a deep sense of gratitude for the guys I was with and for our guides and just knowing that uh, it, that, that, that accomplishment was going to happen. So by the time I got to the summit, uh, it, it felt awesome. It was very, I think Scott said a good word for it, euphoric. It was great. And uh, we took a lot of great pictures. We're all smiling and just having a high energy. Uh, but um, that was, that was great. But then we had the descent and it's hard. Sometimes you forget that, okay, we're still at 19,000 feet. Now we got to drop down to 15,000 feet and the air is thin. So we were all in a hurry to get down, but uh, we, it, going down is hard too. You, I got pretty gassed and the body was very tired at that point, but uh 
that was that was probably my biggest emotional moment it was about four o'clock in the morning on the way up the mountain and sydney when were, what was your biggest emotional moment was it the summit or something else um yeah i would say that it was definitely uh euphoric as scott said at the summit and um i just had so much gratitude mm. of um here we are finally you know all of us are together up here at the top and the views were just stunning and there's these amazing glaciers sitting up there and and the sunrise and you know we were really blessed with just beautiful weather and so uh it, it was clear we were able to see we you know we could have been boxed in with clouds and not been able to see anything could have been snowing it wasn't it was um, as warm and, and as wind still and as clear as we could have hoped for it to possibly be. And what was amazing is starting out the night before. So our, our final camp before summit or our summit night camp was at 15,000 feet. And so at that point, I was um, I was no longer concerned about the altitude because of how my body had had behaved so far with it. Um, it was no longer a question to me is, is am I going to be able to summit or not? And so kind of that uh, concern of mine had had gone away. And when we started out, you know, like these guys mentioned already, it's, it's, it's midnight, middle of the night, but it's a full moon night. And so we don't even need our headlamps to be able to climb. You can just see it. it it was it was really really amazing the the lighting of the night and as we got up to the top you ask about emotional moments i mean i think i think um every day i had some moments that um you know behind my sunglasses the guys didn't realize i had some tears <laughs> and um just the gratitude of it and, and so much of this this climb for me was um, a spiritual thing because uh, I knew I was anticipating before the climb that I was going to have some real God moments on this mountain. And so uh, he didn't disappoint at all. He really, really um, we had some had some moments together and conversations together, I would say. And yeah. as I prayed and, and he just downloaded some things to me. And and so I I was it was beyond how that's that that would be a good way to put it it was beyond what i would have hoped for so was it was it a spiritual quest i guess i'd say for you scott too oh no question about it i mean mm. you, you know the whole thing and i i mean i would echo what sydney said i mean just about just being filled with gratitude and you know there i the, the other thing too is like you know, part of a spiritual experience to me is connection to other people. Mm. And, you know, I, I didn't know, I knew Carl before we, before this trip, I didn't know Kendall or Sydney other than a couple of zoom calls, but you know, we got really tight. And then we, and, and guys, we had some pretty deep conversations up there too, whether it was, whether during the climb, whether we were in our dining tent, like, you know, there was just a lot of, a lot of things that happened and, and discussions that we had. But um, also the porters and the guides, I mean, the mm -hmm. connection with those guys, I mean, you don't climb this mountain. This is not an individual accomplishment. There, it is just not. Like the porters and the guides, they do just about everything but pick you up and carry you up the mountain. Mm -hmm. And as Carl said, you know, the best, the best advice that I would have is the same thing as Carl is just trust the guides. 
but I tell you, our, our group, they had such big hearts and getting to know those men was so much fun. You know, we learned a lot of Swahili. We, we exchanged a lot of stories and, you know, part of the euphoria of getting up to the summit was giving those guys big giant hugs and just, you know, Mm -hmm. feeling like brothers. I mean, that to me, like there was a spiritual uh, experience in that for me was just that connection. And like, to me, I think it's so cool that I'm now back here in the United States. And I honestly feel like I've got brothers in Tanzania. Uh, and that's a, that's a really cool experience. And, and just like, just knowing that it just feels really good. So how does it feel to actually do the descent? You said, Cole, you said, I think that the descent was also hard. Kendall, how was how was the descent for you? How was it to come down the mountain? It was great to get in lower elevation and be able to breathe easier. But we hiked, I think we left Summit just before 8 o'clock. And we didn't get to camp that night until maybe 4.30-ish. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, and remember we had left at midnight to, to, to go up to the Summit. So... It, it was a hard day. It was a really hard day. I was a little worried about the descent bothering my knees with hiking poles. I was pleasantly surprised that they held up quite well, but it, it was definitely a long day. And I would say, you know, just because you make it to the summit, don't think that the hike is over. It, it, it is hard work going down as well. One, one thing I would say about the descent was like, for me, coming down is where that climb transitioned from being a mental experience to a physical experience. Because when I was, you know, getting to the top was just, there's so much anticipation. And like, I I mean, for me, I knew I needed to like stay focused because I know like people get hurt coming down because they, you know, kind of Mm. lose their concentration and they think like, oh, the climb is over. And it is, it's really hard. It's steep. You know, you're on loose rock, you're on scree. And so you have to be very, very careful. But like for me, all of the sort of anticipation and all the sort of like worry thoughts and and how are things going to go? I mean, all of that sort of came to a climax at the top for me. And so for me, it was like just a, a straight up physical challenge coming back down. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really, I, I don't, I can't say that it was like a real mental struggle coming down at that point. Like, you know, we summited and now we're just on our way back down and we just have to grind it out. Um, I would also say that and maybe it's because we just kept moving every single day but i didn't experience personally any sort of muscular soreness or stiffness at any point in the climb mm-hmm. until that last day when we came down so going up no problem coming back down that next morning like my calves were on fire that next day so yeah i don't know i think that's that was my my kind of experience with the descent and having done this wonderful adventure this wonderful trip what are the life lessons that you mentioned a couple of them? What are the life lessons you take from this that you're using your everyday now? Well, you know, Carl's so good. The the last uh, when we after after the climb was over, we went to dinner one night and Carl pulled out his little notebook and we came up with uh, the top 10 lessons of Kilimanjaro. And I don't know that we're going to cover them here, but I, I think we should go to Carl and, and get some of those top tips. Yeah, so I mean, we did, and I we I think I've emailed this out to the guy. We just kind of had a good, fun little dinner discussion, and I can share a few of them. I don't know if there's mm, uh, time for all ten, but I think um, kind of like like uh, the Swahili word we heard over and over is pole pole, which is slowly, slowly. And sometimes you just go slow to go fast, or go slow to hit the goal. 
And it's just one small step in front of the other, one breath at a time, one deep breath at a time. Conserving energy will get you to the top of the mountain. If you're going fast and you're exhausted, you know, you're keeled over just trying to gasp for breath, but the guides are really good at pole pole. So slowly, slowly is the way to climb a mountain. I think that's one thing that was definitely immediate. Uh, and I've already mentioned trusting your guides. Mm. You know, these, these guides have a lot of experience. They were very intuitive to our needs. They were very intuitive to anyone who wasn't feeling good. Uh, they would come around and ask questions and they, they were watching, even though they didn't, they weren't obvious about it, but they were very intuitive to, to the needs of our group. And so trusting the guides, I think, um, we touched on the fact that the trek is more mental than physical, you know, especially, especially as Scott said, going up, you know, it's, it's a mental game and the moment you doubt it's over. So just keeping a positive mental attitude, you know, there's a lot I can share. You guys might want to jump in with a few of them too, but uh, for me, one more that uh, it, you know, nobody climbs a mountain alone. It takes a team to climb a mountain. And uh, so not only do we have our guides and our amazing strong porters who made camp life very comfortable by carrying up the dining tent, the cook tent, all the gear, but uh, the teammates, you know, lean into your teammates. There was times when one of us felt great and the rest of us not, and, 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 and that switched around a little bit, but just to be able to lean into the strength of your teammates and the relationships mm -hmm. there was, was just another really good uh, lesson for me you know, no one climbs the mountain alone lean into your team and those are a few takeaways for myself sydney any life lessons for us i would i would say a practical lesson for climbing the mountain i'll i'll say two things on on a practical lesson is take poles you'll you'll want them you'll use them you'll be glad you did uh mm -hmm. trekking poles and um mine broke like part way through the through the climb but Carl had enough duct tape along that we were able to uh, make the make them work. And so I was really happy about that. And then the other thing is, is breathe more than you think you need to. Up, up near the top, I did like a Facebook live just as we were coming up to the peak. And um, different people asked me this, man, you sounded like you were out of breath. And um, I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't. I was just purposely breathing that way. Most of us had listened to uh, Wim Hof's um, talking about, you know, breathing and how to breathe and all these, all these things. So we were very active at breathing more than what we needed to breathe. And I think that is a, a huge thing in that high altitude and, and being successful in it. More of a, a life lesson or uh, lessons that I brought home with me is, um, you know, rely on God. I, when I climbed the mountain, um, I felt like it was, it was extremely easy. Okay. And it was so easy that honestly, I haven't been completely level with the other guys. Uh, so they're going to hear this for the first time right now. I felt like it was one of the easiest things I'd ever done. Like it was ridiculous easy to the point that I didn't want to admit how easy it was because I didn't want to come across like I'm bragging or something like that. And so once we turn and we start, we're coming back down the mountain and um, I felt like the Lord said to me that, okay, I gave you the grace and ability to climb the mountain. Now I'm going to lift it off of you and let you come down in your strength so you know how much I was helping you. And coming down was difficult, much more difficult than going up. And now my muscles for the first time were, were feeling fatigued and I was feeling like I'm ready for this to be over and, and all of these things. And whereas going up was just so easy. 
And so I came home with the life lesson of a reminder for me to rely on God's strength and that even though I prepare, even though I train, even though I do those things, um, that God makes all the difference for me in, in being successful. And I was just very grateful for his help. Kendall, similarly, did you have any life lessons for us? I would say just a reminder to myself, something I'm using even here today in my relationships at work and with family is maybe the importance of relationships is a life lesson I took away from that trip. Just mm -hmm. getting to know these brothers deeper and, and, and yeah, just relationships in general that they are important in life and they get us to where we're going. That's probably my biggest takeaway. And Scott too, obviously your life lessons. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, we just talked about Kendall said the relationship with brothers and the connection and, um, I, I will admit, and I think I shared this with Carl in the beginning, I read in a book that oftentimes when you climb a mountain like Kilimanjaro, it can, it can make friendships and it can also break friendships. <laughs> so there, there was, uh, you know, some apprehension on my part that, uh, you know, I was going to be done with this trip, wanting to wring everybody's neck. And I'm so happy to report that, 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 that couldn't be further from the truth. I think like I, I felt a deep connection to these guys and there was no point. Like I was just, I was grateful to have them there, uh, because they were all encouraging me and supportive of me. And, you know, I just, I've got friends for a Life on this call right here. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy to say that there was no point on that trip where I felt any of any of that uh, negative feeling. And, and so, you know, maybe they're thinking something different about me, especially uh, if, if I did any complaining while I was up there. But yeah, the, the, the bonding and the and the relationships, again, with these guys, with the guides, with the porters, this is not something that you go do by yourself. It's very clear to me that you went up as friends and you came down as even better friends. Even yeah, better friends. for sure. And then last two practical tips, bring treats. You know, you're going to want some sweets or snacks So bring your favorite snack or Snickers bars or cashews or pistachios, whatever the case may be. And then uh, the last thing is uh, bring, bring some salt, bring because the food was a little bit bland at times. So bring your own salt and hot sauce. And that's two last little practical tips to make the, make the trip enjoyable and have a little fun moments along the way. Be kind to yourself, bring some treats, bring some salt, spice it up. For sure. Stay <laughs> yep. Well, guys, it's been a real pleasure and privilege for me to hear about this trip. Um, Scott has a question that he always asks at the end of his podcast. So I'm going to hand back the mic back to him. But really, genuinely, it was true pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. Thank you, Katie, for facilitating an awesome conversation. It's like I feel like I'm back on the mountain right now. And, uh, and yes, there, there is a couple of questions that I ask everybody that comes on this podcast. And um, Carl and I have already had the opportunity to answer. So, so the question is, when they make a movie about this epic climb up Kilimanjaro, who are going to be the Hollywood actors that play this cast of characters that goes up? So we've got Chris Evans playing Carl Miller. Chris Evans is, is Captain America. 
And uh, so it's fitting because Carl was the group leader for this climb and he's the, he was the organizer. And so Captain America is going to, going to take us up this mountain. And, and then my answer a couple of episodes ago was Ty Burrell, the dad from modern family. So kind of the, kind of the goofy guy at the back. And uh, so I'm, so, so Kendall and Sydney, it's your turn. We got to figure out how we're going to round out this cast of characters. So Sydney, who's going to play you in the movie? You know, the first person that came to mind was Brad Pitt. So I'm going to go with that. But until the <laughs> casting calls are done, I'm just going to say Brad Pitt. I love it. That's awesome. All right. Okay, Kendall. I'm going to go with Keanu Reeves. And not yeah. because, simply because my wife thinks my hair looks similar to him on the mountain. Oh, my gosh. That's perfect. I love that so much. Well, and I, th- I think we can't let this podcast go without sharing a little bit of uh of um, some of the experience that you got to have there on the mountain, Kendall, you you were a bit of a celebrity while we were out there. You want do you want to tell us about that? So about four months before we went on this hike, I just decided to gr- let everything grow, including my beard, hair. I just wanted to look a little bit like a mountain man, I guess, climbing the mountain. And so it was like a no instead of a no shave November, it was more like a no shave four months prior to us flying over to Tanzania. And I didn't think much of it other than I hated how long my hair was. It would get in my eyes and it was just a lot of, it was just, yeah, not, this is my normal cut and what I'm used to. But anyway, I, I did feel like I did bring a lot of joy to people on the mountain because it started out at the bottom. People started calling me Jesus um, because of, you know, my hair, not down to my shoulders, but, you know, longer with a with a nice full beard. And and I guess there was some Swahili films with some Jesus characters that was going through Africa in the previous year or two. And so every all the porters and like all the local people thought I looked like Jesus character on the movies that were being played over there at the time so a lot of them you know would come to get their blessings or bow down in front of me and say we're climbing the mountain with jesus so i was glad to um bring joy and blessing to to the porters and and guides on the mountain it, it was epic and kendall i think maybe was a little uncomfortable with it at first but he started <laughs> he started to embrace his role and that he really did bring a lot of joy on there and and you pulled it off great kendall it was awesome yeah it was right. great the porters are stopping for selfies with kendall you know on the way up the mountain <laughs> just laughing and our guide said that uh we had good weather because everybody said that jesus was on the mountain with us <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right so we got a movie with Keanu Reeves, Brad Pitt, Chris Evans, and Ty Burrell. And uh, I- I'm going to name the movie for us, guys. It's Pole Pole. Slowly, <laughs> slowly up to Limanjaro. Nice. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to come on here today and talk to us. Katie, thank you so much for the uh, facilitation. You were amazing. And for those listening, I really hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope our story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. We'd also appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving a review and sharing or tagging Inspire Campfire in your social media. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening. Guys, thanks for being here.